0: Moncrief on News Talk.
1: Brittany was so serious and so focused. This is a girl that's coming from strength. She was so
0: open and vulnerable. How we treated her was disgusting. Brittany
1: had to navigate, being told who she could be and what she could do. People became fascinated with her sort of unraveling. She accepted that the conservatorship was going to happen, but she didn't want her father to be conservative. That was her one request. And anytime there's that amount of money to be made, you have to question the motives of everyone close to that person.
0: That's uh, Framing Britney Spears. No doubt you've uh, heard about this. It's streaming now on Sky Documentaries. James Dempsey Dempsey joins us uh, once again. Good afternoon, James.
1: Good afternoon
0: to you, Sean. Uh, now, given it's probably, I don't know, difficult to say anything new about it, given it's it's been so much reported on. Uh, d- did you find, did you discover new things when you watched this?
1: Uh, yes and no, I suppose. Um I would say, yeah, this is a bit, This is like the water cooler TV show right of the moment. And the kind of funny thing about it is Sky bought access to it for, you know, this part of the world, maybe only a week. I think it's only a week since it aired in the US. But even that still seems too late because everybody who already wanted to watch this probably did already watch this on the Internet because it was uploaded to YouTube for several days, I think, uh, completely and utterly illegally. But I actually have to admit, I, I, I held back and I waited and I watched it on TV the other night. and as for whether I learned something new or not, um, I would say No, is the truth right Uh, like I mean I'm not some Britney stan but I vaguely am aware of the free Britney movement and uh, perhaps the only thing that I uh, learned from this documentary that I hadn't maybe known before was this one fact about how she had hired this lawyer for one of her cases and how the judge had not allowed this lawyer to be her lawyer in the trial for reasons that were never even explained to the lawyer that really was the only thing I knew and and even that didn't really come to an awful lot of substance in terms of discussion because, you know, it's I learned something that I don't know, <laughs> if, you, if you get me. But that's not to say that this isn't a very interesting and well-made and fascinating documentary. It is. It is a, like a riveting hour's worth of TV viewing. It is very stylishly well put together, and it is a very uh, good look back at maybe, you know, the first kind of, well, the first 20 years really of, of this century and how the media regards Uh, celebrity in general and young women celebrities in particular.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's
1: that's the only... Sorry to interrupt, James, but that uh,
0: that struck me as a very interesting point about it. It's not just the documentary itself, but probably the overwhelming attitude towards the documentary now. Ten years ago, uh, um, she was getting far less sympathy than she'd be getting now. And I suppose it's now that people are starting to see her perhaps as a rounded human being who has her problems.
1: Absolutely, I, I, and all of the footage that has come out on social media in the last kind of week that involves not just Britney Spears but other, you know, quote unquote troubled starlets, right of of that era, has been actually fascinating to to look at. And what I would really recommend to people is that if if you enjoyed this documentary, seek out the Jade Goody three part documentary on Channel Four on all four, which is very similar to this in the sense that it is a similar time period. It is a similar sort of meteoric rise and then instant vilification of a, you know, of a kind of random person. The only difference is, you know, Jade Goody had no discernible talent beyond the ability to market herself, which was very much a very uh, a good talent to have in terms of money making in its day, mm. but this is yeah. What I think is intriguing about this is that uh, you because it's made by the New York Times, right? It's an in-house production insofar as um, all of the contributors are are New York Times journalists by and large. There, I mean, there are a few people who are who have worked with Britney. I would say the standout kind of nice person from the whole thing is this Fel- woman named Felicia Culata, who is. Uh, you know, kind of her chaperone throughout her early years of her career and then just basically her champion of sorts in the latter years of her careers. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you get like various different New, York's, New York Times journalists weighing in and in, like including Pulitzer Prize critics, and they are very able to, to represent the brand. And it is interesting that it's like was probably relatively straightforward to produce this documentary, insofar as they were able to go in house. They had all the talking heads that they needed. They had all of the uh, material, the archival material that they needed in order to put put it together. Hmm. What is what is notable is the absence of Britney Spears and really anyone from the Spears camp. And I know that obviously they they go to lengths to say that they reached out to the Spears family, but that they had no willingness to be involved in the documentary itself. But but they are somewhat glaring in their omission, right? Because the irony here is we're getting a story about, you know, media exploitation of, of a person during a difficult period in their life. And I'm not saying that this is exploitative. I don't think it is. But it is not their, it's not them telling their own story either, right? It is a French yeah. perception of the Britney Spears story by the people who make this. Now, it's definitely championing her, it defends her, it points out the like injustices uh, done towards her by trial by media, we'll say. But we don't hear Britney saying that either, except for through uh, like interviews which were also conducted by other people right so it's all just a little bit to me um, kind of pushed together in a way now i i have like a, a new story came out that netflix is making its own britney documentary uh, i don't know if britney spears herself is involved with that one but it seems like the only way to up the ante from this one, which is a, like a perfectly made documentary and very interesting and very, very good hours worth of TV. The only way to up the ante is to actually get Britney Spears involved herself. And until the conservatorship is broken, I don't think she can even do that. Anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah. D- but uh, n- Nonetheless, I mean, it's a New York Times produced documentary full of New York Times commentators Uh, like, is there a sense perhaps to a bit that some of them just went Brittany Who and looked her up on Wikipedia and then kind of drummed up in a a, a clever sounding uh, opinion on it? Or did some of them actually know her and have, you know, skin in the game in terms of reporting
1: on her? (laughs) Um, I suppose, well, I know, so one of the main talking heads is this guy, Wesley Morris, who's like a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, critic and he's the New York, times critic at large and i mean i think he speaks very eloquently about britney, britney but i don't know if it offered anything any great moment of insight beyond the evidence right mm. to me like i i don't know if i learned anything new right in the sense that it's just it it lays an absolute case a damning case for both the media and the consumers of the media from we'll say the years 2000 to 2021 and and it, it, it makes a very convincing case of how media scrutiny can be very detrimental to anybody, particularly a big global star like Britney Spears. And it makes a compelling case for how young women are treated very, very poorly. But beyond, you know, like, uh, regrettably, there is nothing new in that for me. I I, mm. I have heard these stories before. I'm not saying it's not entertaining. I just don't know if I learned anything brand new from it. What I thought was underdeveloped actually was more this aspect of how a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, um, well, the the hashtag free Britney movement is from her fans, right? It's from these people who who. Who uh, who I thought were going to come across as you know as quote unquote stands a bit um, a bit too interested, yes. <laughs> but actually by and large I thought seemed relatively level headed and, and and nice. And one of them even said that if Britney messaged her and said to stop doing this, she would immediately stop doing this. And obviously she just wants Britney to message her. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but by and large I thought that was sort of an underdeveloped part of the documentary. It, it begins with them right. It begins with these fans and their placards outside the Supreme court in California and then it sort of ignores them right really for an hour and then casually brings them in for maybe the last 15 minutes and I think there's something to be said about how they championed Britney's case before anyone else did. Uh, anyone else did. I mean, people wouldn't. I mean, would you normally think of if someone pitched for your show interviewing a Britney Spears podcast about <laughs> about someone who goes through her Instagrams and you know basically builds their own podcast about going through Britney's Instagrams? Wow. That sounds a bit like would that would that sound compelling to you? Uh, no, well, but maybe. I, <laughs> but I actually thought that these these women who run this podcast were very, like, eloquent and and completely driven in their understanding of this quite nuanced and very complex part of the legal framework for, you know, conservatorship. And I thought that was really quite an underdeveloped aspect of the documentary.
0: Mm. Right, uh, a couple of bits of uh, uh, TV news. I was wondering what had happened to uh, Atlanta, that being uh, Donald Glover's uh, series, but uh, it, it's been on a bit of a pause and Amazon have just b- backed up a lorry load of, cra- of cash, apparently. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So what's happened is Atlanta is. was supposed to film a third and fourth season back to back. And that's been sort of in pre-production since 2018. And then it was supposed to go into production both seasons in a row, I think late last year, but it's been delayed now to March. So a third and fourth season of Atlanta are coming. But in the meantime, Donald Glover has just signed an eight figure deal with Amazon to produce shows there. And there's kind of two hot ticket ones. The first one is a bit of a bizarre one. He's actually only producing that one. It's called The Hive. It comes from a writer named Janine Nabbers, uh, who wrote Watchmen, which was an excellent series last year. And it's about a like a pop star. Think be, like the beehive, which is the Beyonce like stands. Right. And the interesting thing about that one is Malia Obama of the Obamas, uh, you know, well, uh, daughter of former president and first lady, has just been hired for the writing staff. So that's just an odd development there. But then the other one is that um, Glover and Phoebe Waller-Bridge have signed on to make a TV... Remake of the Brad Pitt Angelina Jolie movie, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And like, when I read that, it just sounded like a made up headline. So I have checked my sources on this, and it definitely is true. They're going to star as, you know, a married pair of assassins who then are hired to kill each other. Right. That is an odd pairing. Uh, a very uh, odd pairing, yeah. And, a, and a, but an even more odd, you know, production for that pairing. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Also, she's taller than him. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was just furiously googling that because she is quite tall, and I always got the impression he was quite short. But uh, he's not as short as they say. He's uh, he's one point seven five meters. She's one point seven seven meters. Uh, just some uh, needless uh, information there. Uh, right. An Adam's family. Uh, Ad- Adam's family uh, spinoff for Netflix.
1: Yeah, so this is actually Tim Burton, and it's going to be his first ever TV production. Uh, although I, I I may be corrected on that somewhere down the line, but he um, he had been trying for years to develop a, a stop motion Adams Family movie, uh, and then that all fell apart. And I think there has been actually at least one digitally animated Adams Family movie in the last few years. But this time around, he's going to make a live-action TV show about Wednesday Adams. So it's going to be like I either I I imagine a teenage Wednesday Adams who is attending a boarding school called Nevermore Academy. And it's like going to be dark and macabre and probably fairly black comic as well. And it'll be about Wednesday solving various mysteries that befall various students in the school. So I'd say we could look at a very like a uh, kind of uh, it's more uh, tongue-in-cheek Buffy or Sabrina kind of type vibe with, with a bit more uh, nihilistic comedy cutting through it.
0: Okay, well, we shall see. Right, uh, we do have two more shows to talk about uh, with James back in a couple of minutes. 53106 oh, is our text number that will cost you uh, 30 cents. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. James Dempsey uh, is still with us for uh, TV on the radio. He's been telling us about framing Britney Spears, uh, which is streaming now on Sky Documentaries. Um, one texter says, I heard Britney was releasing her own doc. Uh, it would be great to hear from the horse's mouth. Maybe she's not allowed. Well, as James was saying, Possibly not. That could be a restriction because of uh, the conservatorship. Uh, Kaylee says, I had forgotten so much of the media whirlwind uh, around uh, the time of our mental health issues. I know we're not learning much but it's so shocking to see it all laid out there. Uh, Though Johnny says Britney Spears was a terrible example to young girls and women in her early career and as a father, with hard work uh, trying to not let my children follow her. Maybe that was Britney's father's selling tactic. I don't know, Uh, but I think in future it should be stopped. Uh, Well, yeah, we don't know, but one imagines, though, that she perhaps didn't have... Uh, beforehand, she didn't have that much agency really in terms of the direction her career should go and, uh, you know, she was still a kid when, you know, Hit Me Baby one more time and all that kind of stuff uh, uh, came out, plus there's, I suppose, the poisonous effect of uh, having too much money and too much fame uh, and not really be and mental health issues on top of that uh, at a very young age. Fiona says started Firefly Lane last week as I've pretty much seen everything else. I'll have to say I think James was a bit too harsh about it. It was so much better uh, than I'd been led to believe. Really enjoyable uh, with some good cliffhangers uh, uh, says Fiona. Have you you, uh, continued watching it and changed your mind James?
1: I haven't continued watching it but I but I, I, saw someone posted this I saw a picture on Twitter over the week of, of how you know a character gets aged up and it just reminded me of how poorly they, they had managed that so look I'm glad that listener got something out of it you know my, my opinion isn't gospel but um, if it, you know uh, no one should be put off watching anything just because I didn't like it that's what I would say
0: Indeed not and Fiona if you think James didn't like that wait for this uh, this is Behind Our Eyes <laughs> all six episodes now streaming on Netflix, here's a clip. Thank you. Are you nervous? About what? Your first day.
1: It's not my first, first day, Adele. I like the office. I think it'll suit you. And they seem nice. Dr. Sharma and the others. Yes. Let's hope I don't let them down. You won't.
0: You're a very good psychiatrist. They're lucky to have you. Like me. Right. Uh, Okay, so what's the uh, uh, central premise here, James?
1: So the central premise is about Louise who is a single mother and a secretary in a doctor's office and she goes out for a night and her friend stands her up at the bar and she bumps into this tall stubbly hunk with a gravelly voice and they get to chatting and the, at the end of the night they share a very uh, quick kiss and then he pulls apart you know pulls away and says no I can't and goes running off and the next day she goes into work and woe betides, us but it happens that the smooching man is her boss and- <laughs> (laughs) and he's a psychiatrist in the office in which she is the secretary and then she uh, bumps literally into his wife with whom he has an estranged not estranged but like a, a, a strained relationship we'll say and she's played by Eve Hewson and has like the you know that that bob haircut of psychotic women that you see in in productions such as Gone Girl and basically, just to point out he's
0: not saying that applies in real life if you have a bob haircut
1: <laughs> no it's not at all and uh, and uh, she begins a friendship with Adele and essentially is sort of vaguely two timing both of them on each other at the same time because she begins an affair with the doctor and and is keeping that secret from Adele from sorry from her friend. Um, sorry, from Adele, yes and then she's also having this friendship with Adele, which she's keeping secret from the doctor, and it's all like oh, you know, what's the ulterior motive here and so on and so forth, and like it kind of, you know, I'm going to say it begins okay, right, I mean it is by no means a knockout of the park psychological thriller at the best of times it is a fairly perfunctory kind of oddball one i kind of thought in the week that uh, netflix confirmed in writing to everyone that your subscription charges is going up this is not the drama i would have put out (laughs) to remind people of the value of money because when you get to episodes five and six which i did today it becomes so Preposterously bad and silly (laughs) that you know, uh, this is based on a book. And when the book was being marketed, uh, it's marketed, it's its marketing hashtag was like hashtag WTF that ending, right? right? And it is WTF that ending to say that it involved. I mean, I cannot even offer the vaguest description of it because it would be a massive spoiler. But if you have like a Philips Hue lighting system, <laughs> you'll never look at it the same way again is all I'll really say on that. And it is so laughably silly as a as a as a like as a coda to this show that I actually almost recommend people go out and seek it because <laughs> because it is just the most ludicrous hour of television I have seen and an early claim for the worst episode of TV of the year oh my word Uh, now is it like
0: the 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 highlight of the drama is that can you imagine somebody in a writer's room going right what's the one thing they'll never guess Uh, and they've come up with that or is it just boringly predictable
1: when I went into this, you know, I thought it was going to be a, like a, you know, a, I thought it was going to be a vaguely gone girl type show where you hmm. have this uh, strained couple warring with, each, warring with each other and Louise is sort of the pawn in between them. But is she the pawn? Maybe she has an ulterior motive herself all along or something. I just didn't know where it was going to go to say that when it reveals kind when it starts to reveal its sleight of hand around episode 4 and 5 and 6 so in the back off when it begins to reveal what is sort of vaguely going on it is so divorced from what has happened in the first two episodes that ground the whole show that you could never have possibly seen this coming uh. but then it is so signposted in the f- fifth and sixth episode that like you will immediately know where it's going definitely in the fifth episode if or in the last episode if you have a- if you've ever watched anything at all it is such a strange drama, <laughs> obviously. Yes.
0: it sounds like one of those things they used to have like oh maybe they still do on sunday nights on itv
1: uh, yeah, in terms of style, in terms of acting, in terms of everything, it just is it, it is not it, it, like this is the kind of thing that if if I was flipping through channels on a Sunday night, I might have stopped at to watch around the time that Britney Spears was shaving her head. And I just think we've kind of moved on from that when we're paying for like a premium subscription service you know, I kind of expected better to be honest with you.
0: Right. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, right. <laughs> Give that a miss. Uh, right. <laughs> we'll move on to our third show of the day. It is Class Action Park. It's streaming now on Now, now TV. Here's a clip. There's nothing in the world like Action Park. Baby, let the action Park. Action. Action Park.
1: The story of Action Park is a true crime story.
0: As you entered the park, you saw this thing. And you're like, this is real. The engineering behind this, if there was any engineering, was just nuts. I don't know how many people died at Action Park, but it wasn't just one person. Electrocuted. Decapitated. Fractured vertebrae. Impaled on the bolt. Had a heart attack. Nobody should ever be the second person to die in a wave pool. Close the wave pool. Right. I kind of wanted to go to Action Park until they started listing out all the many ways people died. Uh, everyone sounds very excited in this, uh, James. So I suppose tell us what was or is Action
1: Park. So Action Park was, um, set, it was like a water park and theme park set up in New Jersey in the late 70s. And I think it ran until maybe ninety two, ninety three, 93. And it was infamous for being incredibly poorly run right down to the design of the you know of the attractions one of the first things they built was this really like aggressively slanted water slide that had a full loop the loop that <laughs> that the park's owner this man named eugene Mulvahill, who is a who is a charming but terrible person right mm. uh that he you know he he paid workers he paid these teenage workers just to ride down it he gave them hundred dollars if they were brave enough to do it and when You know, the first pair went down, they came out battered and broken a few teeth. And when the next lot went down after they'd made a few adjustments, they cut themselves on the teeth that had been embedded in the plastic by the first people. It is just (laughs) it is absolutely incredible stuff. My father has this ongoing phrase in our family of that, you know, you, you must anticipate the danger. You must anticipate the danger. And I'm going to force him to watch this because he will absolutely be livid watching in the in the health and safety negligence that goes on and the, the thing about it is it's very funny right Eugene Mulvihill was this kind of failed stockbroker who saw an idea and marketed it as a place where you could kind of go get a bit drunk and do whatever you want but he is utterly negligent he hires teenagers who are just drinking and having sex and not taking care of anybody six people died in, in the park's history which is a, like I mean that is the most damning indictment and, and at one point we're sort of introduced at length to the first person who died, who is this man named George Larson. I think he was only 20 years old. And uh, I, I I'm not gonna offer any more because it would be spoilers, but we get interviews with his family and how Mulville Mulville handled it is is you know it's it's really damning. And I what I think this documentary does very well is it is in no way like hagiographic hey, of him as this sort of cowboy, right? It very much lays the groundwork that, yeah, this was really fun. But then it absolutely delivers the message that it was run by a guy who was very conflicted and who you shouldn't champion because he, you know, he <laughs> he was just a bad guy. Mm.
0: That's an extraordinary piece of work. Then, right? Okay, thanks very much, James, uh, uh, for all your uh, your three reviews today. Uh, and just to reiterate, uh, the show that James was just talking about uh, was Class Action Park that's streaming on Now TV. Uh, the drama on Netflix with the preposterous ending was behind her eyes. All six episodes are streaming now on Netflix. And he started off talking about framing Britney Spears, uh, which you can see on Sky Documentaries. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break after that. Protecting Sherlock Holmes. Moncrief on News Talk.